0: Section 1 of the English Restoration and Louis XIV from the Peace of Westphalia to the Peace of Nijmegen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The English Restoration and Louis XIV from the Peace of Westphalia to the Peace of Nijmegen by osman Airy, preface the epoch of european history with which i have here attempted to deal is an epoch of restorations restorations which assume widely different forms in correspondence with the varying circumstances of the countries in which they take place in france after a period of fierce internal strife during which all antagonistic influences exhaust themselves in a vain struggle with the tenacious purpose of mazarin and sink into helplessness the triumphant monarchy emerges as a despotism of an almost oriental type that despotism is conferred upon a prince of great capacity and of boundless ambition with all the instruments of ambition ready to his hand in england a different scene is witnessed The revolution had overthrown three great institutions the monarchy, the parliament, and the church. All three were now restored under the old forms the parliament first, and then, in natural sequence, the monarchy and the church. And when the settlement is complete, it is seen that the first and the last have gained immensely, and that what they have gained, the crown has lost acting in strict harmony the parliament and the church assume toward the king a dictatorial attitude and from their dictation he partially escapes by a gradually deepening subservience to louis the fourteenth a subservience rendered easy from the fact that parliament has as yet no direct control upon foreign policy the union of the two monarchs leads to a third restoration that of william of orange by the combined attack of france and england the united provinces are brought to the brink of destruction they escape from the peril by throwing off a constitution ill adapted for confronting immediate national peril and by placing once more the executive power though with many limitations in the hands of a single man the representative of the house under whom independence had been won the treatment of this period in a form as condensed as is required by the plan of the series has been rendered difficult by two facts it is in the first place a period of incessant diplomatic intrigue on the part of every ruler concerned and all diplomacy is secret and personal and thus while avoidance of detail is a prime object details of which many seem not merely important but essential to a clear understanding of the story press in on every side to an extent scarcely to be appreciated by any one has not somewhat attentively considered the subject there is secondly the fact that in england at least there are no great figures around whom interest and sympathies may gather no prominent politician acts from a great motive no one after the fall of clarendon even from an honest or unselfish motive and no one seems to live in the open light of day there is no great cause definitely present to men's minds to strengthen the moral fibre wearied with the tension of twenty years. The Parliament is possessed by vague wants and vaguer terrors, it displays a low moral sense and is ruled by a spirit of unreason, though by the very law of its being it half-consciously feels its way toward the goal of 1689. The character and purposes of the king, his detestable private example the influence of his mistresses the potency of backstairs intrigue afford the opportunity for all who unite ambition and capacity with cunning frivolity or shamelessness to come to the front and to prosper in writing the chapters devoted to the fronde i have drawn largely from the histoire de france pendant la minorite de louis xiv and the histoire de france sous le ministere de mazarin of m cheroul which from the impartial and exhaustive use displayed by the writer of authorities previously unknown or neglected must be held to supersede former works on the subject the voluminousness however the abundance of detail and the somewhat provoking looseness of the arrangement of these volumes render the conception of persons and events in their due proportions a matter of the utmost difficulty the histoire de france of m Henri martin and especially the Französische geschichte of professor ronka have been constantly referred to to lessen this difficulty while in one or two instances i have been aided by dr kitchen's history of france and mr perkins france under richelieu and mazarin or the part played by louis the fourteenth outside france during the years between sixteen sixty and sixteen seventy eight i have relied principally upon m mignet's negotiation relative a la succession d'espagne supplemented on all questions regarding the connection between louis the fourteenth and charles the second by ranca's history of england principally in the seventeenth century while with respect to the dutch republic my chief authority has been the jan de witt of m Pontalis, macgregor's holland and the dutch colonies has also been found useful in enabling me to give a brief description of the commercial supremacy of the dutch the parliamentary debates as recorded in volume four of the parliamentary history have of course been indispensable in questions of home politics while a few facts of interest and importance are drawn from the inspection of original documents such as the essex and sheldon papers which have not yet been printed the plan of the series does not admit of reference to authorities this requires mention as not only the statements but possibly here and there the actual phrases of the writers who have been consulted may be noticed i regret that the assigned limits have forbidden the introduction of an account of scotland during the period or of the remarkable scope and activity of english commercial enterprises in conclusion i wish to acknowledge two personal obligations to mr s r gardiner who in the midst of his own labours has found time now and continuously during several years to give advice and ungrudging assistance to one who is but a novice in the craft of which he is a master and to my friend mr w l sargent who has aided me with the revision of the proof-sheets Throughout the book. Osmondary, Birmingham, october second, eighteen eighty eight. End of section one